Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Oilers and the Florida Panthers tonight, two teams hurting a bit. Panthers blown out 5-1 by Pittsburgh. Sat Jonathan Huberto, Mike Hoffman, and Keith Yandel for the final 31 minutes of that game after those uh, three players were... On for a couple uh, goals against while they're on the power play. The Oilers got smoked 7-2 in San Jose. It'll be Cam Talbot against James Reimer. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for 49 years. Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza, the Mediterranean chicken. For menu and locations, visit royalpizza.ca. Download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. We are pleased uh, our second consecutive guest is a former Maple Leafs general manager. Uh, he spent a number of years now as a media personality in Toronto. Uh, currently hosts Stelican Simmer on Sirius XM Satellite Radio's NHL Network and uh, does a lot of work on uh, Sportsnet uh, as well uh, with Rogers Sportsnet TV and on Hockey Central and that sort of thing. We are joined by Gord Stelic. Hi, Gord. It's Bob. How are you doing? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. Look, just, just before we get to the here and now, uh, you were a GM at a very young age in the National Hockey, uh, Hockey League, um, and it is a different media world now, but what was the intensity of the marketplace like in Toronto back in the late 1980s when you were a GM-led squad? Well, it, 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 was, it was pretty high. I mean, it was, it, it, it was pretty intensive. It was something I was aware of, though, Bob, because, you know, I'd, I'd worked there, grew up here, and, you, you know, it's changed as far as the volume. There's far more people now, but you can control it. You know, you can control the media. You can be insulated from it. You don't talk all the time. Where, you know, back then there was an expectation that you returned calls to certain people and you made yourself available when someone asked you to. So it, it, it was pretty time-consuming. And, and, you know, and the media had a lot more clout that way in, in how they, you know, chose to give their opinions about the team and the job you're doing and things like that, where now, because of social media and other things, you can you can get ahead or control the story. All right, so specifically back then, I'm going to assume it was the writers, because I think that's where we've seen the shift occur, uh, right? Like, yeah, I mean, the columnists and the writers, those were, when we think of the press, I mean, the, the, the literal term, the printing press, and I think that's been a bit of a change here, right? Obviously, now you have bloggers that bring, you know, detailed and statistical analysis into the work. And you've got, you know, there was not a proliferation of sports talk radio back when you were the GM of the Maple Leafs as well. Um, so I, do you agree with that? Like, do you think yeah. maybe we've seen a little bit of the drop off and the influence of, I mean, I guess what I'm saying to you is you basically had to play ball with the writers, didn't you? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and there weren't sports talk shows, which actually I would have preferred because you would have got your time to, you know, chat, tell stories. Like there were, you know, there'd be a high-profile sportscaster, whether on radio or TV, who would be quite opinionated, and, you know, and, and they would have people's ears as well. And, you know, you really wouldn't get a lot of time. This person kind of controlled the sportscast. That's what you'd have. But you're right about the writers. I mean, you know, you, you go back to, you know, the, the passing of Jim Taylor, one of the great ones, you know, there out of Vancouver. And, and uh, you know, like I said, they were the story. They controlled the story. So uh, you're 100% right about that, and that's something that has really, really changed because if you, I don't know if you remember, but you know, places like when I went to the New York Rangers, for example, you talk about another media place. Like I'm talking 1989 and 1991, but um, the, the the clips of all the papers like were, were photocopied, and everyone got them. It was an yep. important thing that you read the clips of what five or six different papers, whatever they wrote about the New York Rangers. And they went to everybody in the organization. Well, I can tell you right now, Gord. You know, I, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group, and we get sent out. Uh, whatever gets written about the team from the previous day every morning. Still. Yeah. So it still transpires. And, uh, I mean, we have a very passionate blogosphere that's frustrated about the position that the organization's in. Uh, that said, the orders are still technically in the playoff hunt, and not everything has worked out. I'd like to get – we'll get to the Leafs in a second uh, – but your opinion from Toronto, and you host a show where you talk to people from around the league every day on your show with Rob Simpson. But what's your perspective of where Edmonton's at at 2020 and three? Well, you know, it's funny. There, there maybe are some similarities where to Toronto hopes and believes they are in 2019. And I, I really felt the Oilers had turned the corner a couple of years ago and they got that playoff experience and, you know, some uh, success in the playoffs and, and, and things were coming together. And, and uh, I, I thought they were on, on that path. I, I thought they'd made, they, they turned the curve for good. So I got to admit, I was a little bit baffled. That wasn't the case. So it, it, it's funny. It remains this incomplete story. And as long as you have Connor McDavid, I mean, that's, that's, the best thing because he's the best player so you always have a chance but in some ways does that kind of uh, give you false hope uh that you're 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 it's not as real as you thought you know what i mean like that like that's what i'm i'm wondering about the team like it's a a team that i thought got some good complimentary pieces is it as simple as the goaltending i mean new jersey you've seen their goaltending Go a little bit south this year, and that and that does something to a team. So, uh, I the Edmonton orders are more incomplete than I thought they were two years ago. They had to pay Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle. You're going to see where I'm going with this transition here, right? The Maple Leafs have got it. They've got a legitimate opportunity, but there's some other really good teams in the Eastern Conference this year. How concerned is the Toronto fan base about the price point that's going to come in for Mitch Marner and for Austin Matthews? And do you believe that the possibility will exist? And the Oilers got their deals done on McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl, who are two pretty good players, as you know. Uh, is there a possibility that we could see uh, you know, an offer sheet on Marner and or Matthews? Well, I know a lot of people are talking about it. I don't think so, because at the end of the day, the Leafs will obviously just match that offer sheet so if somebody else wants to do it to force the Leafs hand a little bit more money wise or just tick them off then you know that can be the exercise but you're you're not going to give up 
these guys for the four first round picks or, or, or whatever it be you get back. I think there could be offer sheets for um, like more secondary players, you know, somebody that uh, a team, we're not talking about 12.5 like McDavid makes or whatever Marner and Matthews are going to make, Some, somebody at the next level that another team values more and the uh, existing team would have trouble keeping and, and decides the compensation is something they, they can live with. So uh, I don't think that's the case, but I think to go back to the, the puzzle, the Rubik's Cube puzzle, which uh, Edmonton encountered when McDavid's contract kicks in and which Toronto's going to encounter next year. You know, a lot of fans go, hey, can't, can't people just enjoy the Maple Leafs now that they're finally, you know, seemingly back on the right track? Why do you have to worry about next year? It's because next year is a real significant worry. And those guys will be on the team, but it's what do you do next? Is it, is it Nylander? Is it Kapanen? Is it whatever? Like, and, and, and you still haven't addressed things on defense to your satisfaction, which is a similar situation to what Edmonton has right now. Only difference is Toronto is Morgan Riley at $5 million and Freddie Anderson at $5 million. So they got uh, what appears to be a little bit better, a better stud defenseman and a better goaltender. Yeah, well, there's no question about that. We're joined right now by Gord Stellick. Gord, uh, the Maple Leafs are currently two points up on Boston. Boston's played an extra game. Um, we know who won that series last year, and Boston's been playing hurt all season long. Can is, you know? I think we. I don't know if Toronto can reel in Tampa Bay once the Leafs get healthy in goal. Um, Toronto's goal differential would suggest they're a better team. The addition of John Tavares would, to me, suggest they're a better team than Boston. How would you feel? How you know? How is I guess Maple Leafs Nation feeling about the potential of a Toronto-Boston matchup? Um, well, I, I, I think. Would I think okay? You know, always worried because the last two playoffs against uh, they've had seven game series about what five years apart, yep. both against Boston and bitter, bitter, hurtful and memorable defeats. But uh, the point being is, I, I would think there's a confidence that the Maple Leafs are a better team than Boston right now, but they're not a better playoff team or playoff battled and proven and experienced team than Boston. And that's the next challenge for them. That's the next challenge where they got to get to. And that's where, you know, a couple of years ago, the Oilers, you know, seemed to meet that first challenge playoff-wise. The Leafs haven't done that yet. So that, that, will, that will remain a big question mark uh, until, until we see what happens in game number 83, 84, 85. About uh, six weeks ago, everybody thought the Pacific Division was lousy. Well, right now, Calgary, Vegas, and San Jose are, by my count, three of the top four teams in the NHL point-wise. You surprised by that? And they have uh, played. They have played more games. They're not yeah. point. They're not point percentage-wise three of the top four, but they are three of the top six point percentage-wise. But nonetheless, I mean, they're they're they've all gone on pretty good stretches here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so I would say, you know, Calgary you have to put in as a surprise for sure. I think San Jose was more a team that started slowly and you thought was a good team. And, boy, Vegas is the one that's still, you know, good on them. And it's probably been why there's been a lot of coaching changes and some GM changes as owners have kind of looked and said, hey, you guys talk about a five-year plan or six-year plan or whatever plan. How the hell are these guys doing it? So it's probably been, been been the worst thing for a lot of the other 30 NHL teams if you, oh, if you yeah. work in their front office about how Vegas has done things seamlessly and doing it again in year two. Uh, by the way, Vegas won eight of their first 20 games of the year when Nate Schmidt was out with a suspension. They've won 19 of their last 26 since he has returned, which perhaps speaks to the fact that he's an underrated guy. Can Connor McDavid win the league MVP if the Oilers, uh, the Hart Trophy, if the Oilers don't make the playoffs this year, if they're close? 
You know, I think you saw it, Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, yeah. and, and we had him uh, on our show this morning just about, you know, just like in the Cy Young Awards look differently in baseball now. It's not about wins. It's about, you know, how do you, how do you look at things and, you know, do you, do you need to have a certain number of games played to be Rookie of the Year in the NHL? Do you need to make playoffs to win the Hart Trophy, which he didn't last year, but he won the trophy that the players vote on? I, I still... I still think that you can be most valuable to your team and win the Hart Trophy. So my answer is yes. My answer is yes. But, boy, given that this would be another year kind of like that, that would be a very, very disappointing once again. And I think there are a lot of voters that still do think you have to make the playoffs if you're going to win the Hart Trophy. So it hurts Connor McDavid. All right. So as a former NHL manager, uh, Yarmo Kaikalainen, has, uh, he's going to meet with Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, the Blue Jackets have gone down a unique path here. I think it shocked some people. Not that maybe negotiations weren't going well, but just how drastic the measure was that occurred this morning. How many times as a former manager, you said that it was difficult to control the message when you were in Toronto at that time, but were there multiple times where you flat out covered up stuff that was a uh, would have been seen as a detriment to the team, that you guys were capable of doing that? Because today, in a social media world, it's almost impossible in many situations to cover stuff up. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And uh, um, so, I mean, we're talking again decades ago, so it, 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 stuff tended to get out. You yeah. know, play, players actually had guys they talked to, you know, just about things. There was still, you know, there, there was still somebody that would have a good relationship with a media person for whatever reason. And so stuff was hard to, you know, cover up that way. Uh, I, I still think, like, an excellent example back then was, when Borea Somming finally acknowledged that he'd tried cocaine once, and who, who knows how many times he tried it, but he took a six-game suspension, and that story and those rumors went away. Just like in baseball, if, if Roger Clemens had done what Andy Pettit did, Andy Pettit just said, I took you know, growth hormones twice because of injuries, and, um, and it went away. But Roger kept denying it, right? So yep. I think in this case, in Toronto a couple of years ago, Brendan Shanahan suspended Nazem Kadri three games. Remember that? And that, that was viewed as, wow, that, that's really like a, a, a public, you know, public flogging. But, he, you know, he had done things uh, that um, went against whatever the team rules were, and he took the three-game suspension. And to Nazem Kadri's credit, he really, he really turned things around as a player, and that's where I give Lou Lamorello coming in a lot of credit as far as helping Naz develop. So with Sergei Bobrovsky, I think the other thing is, Bob, whatever happened, you also have to let the team know that this crap can't happen, whatever the crap may be. Right. So there's, so there's an element of that as well, that you are sending a message to and on behalf of the other guys in that dressing room. Awesome stuff, Gord. We really appreciate your time, okay? Hey, always a pleasure, Bob. Happy New Year. I guess we can still say that. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to the game tonight. you got yourselves in the West and Florida and these two teams that uh, could use a win nice. And I guess the Toronto Maple Leafs on their side want to get back on the winning ways against New Jersey. Okay, super stuff. Thanks for your time. See you, that, pal. You bet. That's Gord Stellick. It's 149 in Edmonton. Milan Lucic coming up next on Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Quickly off to this day in Oilers history, brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company for 38 years. Book your winter vacation package with New West Travel. Receive free parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Go online, newwesttravel.com for all your vacation dreams. On this day, 2006, I remember it well, what happened? 
Sean Horkoff-Bob records his first career hat trick as the Oilers beat the Penguins 3-1 at Mellon Arena. UC Markkinen in goal for the Oilers, helping to hold off 19-year-old Sidney Crosby. He was held pointless that night. And that was a game Michelle Therrien went off and lit up his team. I think he do not care. That was one of his lines. All right, Milan Lucic, let's get to a conversation with him. You know, in... In 2018, especially, and I, you know, I want to move on from that more than anything. Right. I think, I think I put too much emphasis on on scoring goals right. and and kind of not focusing on on the things that got me goals. And you know, when I when I just focus and put emphasis on, you know, forechecking and and playing hard and being making good plays out of the D zone. You know, those are the things that have that have got me the results. So, um, you know, when the calendar change kind of happened and and more more importantly after the LA game you know just said screw it just you know just go out there and have fun stop putting so much pressure on yourself to be you know this this guy that's uh, almost unrealistic right so just you know just kind of just go back to doing what you do and, and have fun doing it and I think uh I think I think I think that doesn't just speak for myself. I think that speaks for the whole team. We just need to maybe you know take a deep breath, relax. You know we're still not in a not in a awful spot. We're three points out of a wild card spot with some games in hand here, and a, and six out of the next seven here at home before the All Star game. So there's lots to look forward to. There's lots to be uh, positive about. And um, you know we went through a tough ten games, but we can uh, rectify that with uh, with the next seven. Um, a thought on the combination with Ryan and, and Jesse. I thought that that's the best Bolyarvi's looked over the last. That road trip was as good as he's looked. Can you maybe a quick comment on Bolyarvi, but also speak to the professionalism that Nugent Hopkins has because he's a really consistent performer. Yeah, he's he's been really good. <laughs> you know, his his play through the neutral zone, his his uh, his patience with the puck, his his ability to use his line mates. I mean, he's I think he's played with everyone. Uh, you know, throughout the first, uh, you know, 40-something games here. So, um, you know, his prof- professionalism just to stay with it and, and just do what he had to do, do what he has to do no matter who he plays with has been has been great to see. And uh, so it's good to see his game build into to what it's been. And uh, we're going to need a lot more of that moving forward. And as far as Yessi, you know, he just seems like like myself. He's just going out there, going out there and playing. And, uh you know, maybe it was a little bit of a confident lifter for him seeing Finland win the World Juniors, and uh, maybe it reminded him of, you know, his time in the World Juniors when he was the MVP and, and won the gold medal. So, you know, sometimes it's little things like that that just give you a spark. So, uh, I think we had a good two games as a line, uh, even though, uh, you know, the result wasn't there last game, but it was there in Anaheim. Uh, so we, we need to be uh, what we've been the last two games and, and, uh, and um, you know, give this team a, a positive push. You're on a run. All right, that is uh, Milan Lucic of the Edmonton Oilers, 156 in Edmonton. That wraps up the Thursday edition of Oilers. Now it is the Edmonton Oilers and the Florida Panthers tonight from Rogers Place face-off show from Studio 99 with Reed Wilkins, Jack Michaels, Rob Brown, and myself beginning at 5.37 p.m. Puck drop tomorrow. Hockey Night in Canada's Elliot Friedman for our friends at the River Creek Resort and Casino. Up next, a news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. So long, everybody, from Oilers Now.
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.